0: Kara, tell me about this whole amazing journey you've been on with fashion, journalism and media. And now
1: we know we all know you're part of the Real Housewives of Toronto. Right. Um, Where do I begin? Let's see. After university, you know, a lot of people in Toronto after university, when I was completed university, would go on these backpacking adventures to Europe. And I knew I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go find the sun. So I said to my parents, I'm going to California. And they were like really worried. So they had friends that owned a restaurant. It was a ladies that lunch restaurant in Beverly Hills called the Bistro Garden. It's now where Spago is. And um, ironically, it was actually down the street from La Scala where Bethany Frankel worked. Um, So I got a job there as a private party coordinator because I traveled a lot and they wanted someone that knew how to present parties with different themes and things like that. So they said to my parents, yeah, yeah, we'll give her a job here as a private party coordinator. So at least there'll be... A touchstone. You know, she can check in with us. You'll know she's okay. So it was a really fun job. I met lots of interesting people. It, as I said, it was the ladies' at lunch restaurant. So like Nancy Reagan and her cohorts would go there when she was in town. It was really cool. Kathy Lee Gifford was wheeling Cody in in the stroller, and you know this this dates me, but that's how long ago it was. Um, Anyway, so I was working there, and um, one of our clients, our good clients, was Condé Nast magazine. And every time someone was on the cover of a new Vanity Fair issue, they would have a party to celebrate that cover. And I remember when Ivana Trump was on the cover, she wore this yellow dress, and so we had to do a party everything in that same tone yellow. It was really fun setting it up with the flowers and the linens and all that. So I got to talking to the um, office manager at Condé Nast, and I said, "Oh, I've always wanted to write for a magazine." And she said, "Well, you know, we have some new books opening up, and um, send us some samples of your writing, and maybe there's a position for you." So I thought, okay, and. Uh, I sent I had I had never written anything I'd never been published so I called my mom this was before like we could do things over the internet I said help send me something like I've written from university because I was an English lit major. So she sent me a whole bunch of my essays and I decided Hamlet's fatal flaw of procrastination was going to be the ticket. So I sent that to them and they called me and they were like, who even are you (laughs) that you would send us this? And so they went, look, we have this new magazine, actually. It's funny you should send that because we have a new magazine that's opening, Allure Magazine. And the editor, Linda Wells, is all about hiring really good writers because that's what Linda, she like wanted to take um, journalism to the topics of fashion and beauty. So she said, she's looking for good writers and we kind of think you're a good writer. So are you interested? So I became the assistant West Coast editor, lickety-split-boom, like that. It was like a dream job I walked into. And it was such a fun environment because the Conde Nast offices were kind of like this really weird high school Um, environment like a clique so there were the girls at Vogue who were like so chic and they would like go and have cigarettes outside and then there were like the guys from uh, there was a magazine called details and they were like the really sharp dressers and they knew like the latest tech and the music and the gentleman from Condé Nast Traveler was across the hall from me and he was always oh I just got back from this location I just got back from this location he was telling me all these wild things and it's funny the girls um there was a magazine self it was a sporty magazine and they would always show up in like workout clothes for work because they were going to test out new classes and the girls at Allure it's so funny. We were obsessed with skin, makeup, and teeth. Everybody had... We all had the whitest teeth because people were always sending us samples of like the latest teeth whiteners. And I used to laugh going, man, we take the cake for the whitest teeth.
0: That's awesome. And you like really summed it up.
1: <laughs> it's a... I know it's a long convoluted story, but I, I literally it like fell into my lap. I mean, I was pretty tenacious about it too. I will tell you this. After I sent them samples of my writing and I tell my kids this, I said, you know what? What do I have to lose? I don't know these people. So I am going to call them every day and like say, hey, did you get my samples? Hey, did you get my samples? And it worked. Like after five days, they were like enough already. Okay. <laughs> so I always tell my kids, like, don't be afraid to be tenacious. If you want something, let people know you really want it. So I right. wanted it and I went for it. It's all about perseverance. Absolutely. So, um- did
0: you, um, so when you were at, when you were the West coast editor, can you tell us what was one of your most amazing days that you had there?
1: Oh, you know what? They, they did a shoot in Malibu. This was really fun. So we were doing a shoot in Malibu and two things happened. First of all, we were taking some pictures on the beach and, um, somebody, I don't know who had forgot to get the permit. So literally the, the, the people that come up that say like, do you have permission to shoot here? Do you have your permit? were approaching us and they said, okay, Kara, we don't have a permit. When they get here, we're pinning this on you and we're firing you. So you need to do like your best Academy Award performance. And I was like, wait, what? And I was kind of like, am I, am I really getting fired? Like, was I supposed to do the permit? So sure enough, they came and they said, Kara, did you get the permit? And I was like, no. And they were like, that's it. You're fired. We're so sorry. And I was like crying and the officer felt so bad for me. And I like went back to my car and I was like, can I come out again? <laughs> or am I really fired? Then it was a, a three-day shoot in Malibu. The next day, my job, like my job every day was a different, like you never knew what it was gonna be. They'd call from New York, can you go check out this store on Melrose? Oh, somebody's doing a lipstick reproduction. Like you bring in your favorite lipstick color and they'll reproduce it. Go check this out in Beverly Hills. So it was always something different. So on the second day of this shoot, um, you know, I had to go to this house in Malibu where we were shooting. And Naomi Campbell was there. And I was so starstruck because I absolutely like the girl crush on Naomi Campbell. I can't even tell you when I was trying to act cool. Like, yeah, whatever. It's Naomi Campbell. And my job was to like, we had security because she was wearing these amazing jewels. And my job was to be with security and like watch the jewels that like nobody was going to come into the house and take the jewels. And I was like, Oh, I can't believe this. But Anyway, that was a really fun, that was a fun shoot. I'll never forget that. I still have it because Allure was one of those magazines that was large size format, like uh, W used to be. And it was such a pretty book. And we had the best photographers. We had the best stylists. I mean, Linda Wells, really, she was revolutionary in what she did. She was the first one to do the smoosh, you know, with lipstick and makeup on the page, the way it was photographed. Because before that, it had always been like pretty in the palette. And she was like, no, I want to see the texture. I want to see the grit. I want to see all of that. So yeah, it was, it was a great time to be in magazines.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I remember to always have like the best beauty seekers for women. So it was like beauty and skin and teeth. And like always. you said, it was, just, it was all about that industry. And so- you could always
1: trust it because she said, we're not going to, you know, we respect our advertisers, but like we want to be almost like the consumer's reports of beauty. Like they they would go to the professionals, to the dermatologists, to the trichologists. I didn't even know what a trichologist was, but it's like a hair (laughs) specialist. I was like, what the heck is a trichologist? But they would go to the experts to get the information. So anytime Allure said like, this is the best, you could always trust there was research. So did you
0: have any low points when you were there? Like any challenging?
1: Oh my goodness. The worst thing that ever happened. So as I said, we were all like, all the magazines were on one floor. So the girl next to me was absolutely so sweet and adorable. She had just graduated from university and she was working for Glamour magazine because they were right beside us. I think it was her second or third day. She was really nervous and she was having trouble with her computer. So she said, can you come help me with this? Because she thought I had a clue. I don't know that I had a clue. I just think I picked up computers really quickly. So I said, sure. I don't exactly know what I'm doing. So I was leaning over helping her. And she said like, I'm, I have this big file and I'm trying to move it. So I said, I think we need to do this. And I pushed a button, deleted everything. Like, and, uh, and I didn't know like the backup or anything. And I was like looking at it going, oh, and I started to get like the sweats. And I was like, okay, her name was and I was like, Jordiana, don't panic. <laughs> We're gonna get this back. And you know what we did? We ran and we got the details, guys. We're like, guys, come help us. <laughs> I was, that was a low day though. That was a really low day. <laughs> wow.
0: So, so, you're, so you're not only a great, editor or assistant editor, as you were stating, you're also a great non-backup person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do not ask me for computer advice. It's so funny because that stuck with me so much that now when I'm writing something and I'm like saving, I still think back to that. And I'm like, make sure you save it backed up properly.
0: <laughs> so now um, after that, of uh, writing and assisting as an editor at Lore. Now you end up in the Real Housewives of Toronto, right?
1: Right. So when I returned to Toronto, I I consider myself a storyteller. That's why I'm a writer. (laughs) I love to tell stories. All good writers like to tell stories. So when I came back to Toronto, um, I had three children. And during that time, I did a lot of um, charity work. Like I was involved in charities around Toronto and putting on fundraisers and sitting on boards and selling tickets and stuff like that. Um and I always thought there was such organic conflict in that environment. I said this would make like a great book or then reality television like really took off and I said oh no, this has the makings for great reality television. So I had been in touch with a couple of production companies. I had no clue what I was doing. I just had an idea. And um one of them was the production company that was producing Real Housewives of Toronto. So I think they had done Vancouver first and they said, "You know what?" we had a deal actually that they were going to have um, rights, I think, to to my show. And they came back to me a couple months later and they said, look, we're doing a show in Toronto. Nobody ever calls it housewives when they do it, right? They're always like, oh, we're just doing a reality show. And then later they say, surprise, it's housewives. And they said, we think you would be a great uh, participant in the show. And here's the best part. Your thing can be, you do charities, and then your show can be a spinoff from this. But I I said like, okay, that sounds good, I guess. But in my head, I was thinking, but wait, I didn't actually want to be on TV. I wanted to produce television content. I was like, well, okay, I guess. But yeah, sure. I had no clue what I was doing, (laughs) admittedly.
0: Right. That's awesome. So you just fell into the world of reality TV.
1: Fell into (laughs) it again. And I had friends that had done um, Beverly Hills. I was really good friends with Kim Richards and uh, Kathy Hilton has always been a dear friend of mine. I met her actually at the restaurant. I met her at the restaurant because she'd have parties. I mean, she was so kooky and crazy. I actually worked for her for a while. She had a store up on Sunset Plaza called The Staircase that was a Christmas store. Everything Christmas because Kathy is kooky for Christmas. And first of all, it was the most beautiful store because when it's Christmas 365 days a year, it's so nice. But secondly, she had like the best Christmas decorations. She like, it was contagious, her passion for Christmas and decor and gifts and the art of gifting, which is a real art. Um, so yeah, I worked for her up there. And so I, I had known her. She hadn't done reality television except for I Want to Be a Hilton. Um, I knew her sister, Kyle, and I knew Kim really well. So I knew people that were involved in reality television. But what I lacked was humility humility. Because I never really, like, I thought, this is easy, I can do this, no problem. And I had no clue what I was getting into at all, despite knowing them, despite having visited them on the set of Beverly Hills. I just, I really didn't get it. And I think what I really didn't understand was the power of the edit. That was lost on me. But I learned it really fast. (laughs) So
0: speaking of the power of the edit, what was one of the most, I guess, iconic things you've done on that show? That you felt the edit didn't necessarily re- represent you. <laughs>
1: well, there were two, there were two big moments. Thank you for asking, because that's a good question. Nobody ever asks me that. So I do appreciate that question. There were two big moments. One of them, um, a character, I, I had a trunk show at my home, and a castmate who was a plus size individual comes to my trunk show and with you know tears in her eyes says. But there were no dresses for me i had no dress to try on because Kara didn't think of me and my size when i watched that back my jaw was on the floor because of course the first thing i said is we must have a dress for her so i got a celebrity loan the designer um had done a dress for kathleen turner and it was it had been a celebrity loan for kathleen turner and it was running around toronto i got my hands on that and i said you make sure that dress is here front and center for her So when she said, is there anything to try on, she could try this on, which she did. But that was edited out because the better story was, oh, Wicked Witch of the West Kara had no dress for her to try on. So I sat there and went, she tried on a dress. My kids were going, mom, she tried on a dress. I went, yes, everybody knows she tried on a dress, but not the viewing audience. And it's funny because she went on to build her platform based on that. And I always say, "Mm, I wouldn't want to build a platform based on a house of cards like that because, you know. Honesty goes a lot way for uh, integrity, I think. But anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And have you had any positive moments where they edited you the right way?
1: (laughs) Um, No, I don't know. You know, I think what happened is before you do the show, you do a psychological assessment with um, a psychiatrist. I don't know if a lot of people know about this. And they tell you this is to make sure you can handle the backlash on social media. And, you know, we want to make sure you're a stable individual. So I went into it and I answered all the questions 100%, you know, let's do this, let's do it great. And um, after the show, I contacted the psychiatrist and I said, could you send me a copy of my report? Because I'm really curious to see what it said. He said, absolutely. So the first line on the report is, "Kara has a very high level of emotional intelligence. And I have always believed that villains or protagonists, however we want to call them on the shows, must come with a high level of emotional intelligence meaning there are those individuals that don't have high emotional intelligence and they're okay just to pass through occurrences in life and they don't really get bothered by them and it's fine and you know that then there's individuals like myself we feel deeply we do not emerge from incidents unscathed we you know get our little scars from them and we learn and we go on and we want to share it with the rest of the world so my theory is that production saw that and went bingo Here's our villain. Here's our protagonist. So when you say, was there anything that I was favorably edited? I really feel like I was destined for villainhood from day one, which is not a bad thing. You know, look, when you think of 101 Dalmatians, what is the name of the character of the wife that had the puppies? I can't remember. Who do you remember? Cruella? So there you go.
0: <laughs> or you remember the actress that played Cruella?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: You're in coke. Oh, so she was mom, so good. So good. So, all right. So now you have this underneath your belt. Oh, before
1: we move on, Kathy Hilton, she also gave you a word of advice, right? Yes, About she did. And I remember I called her uh, after I had signed the contract and I said, uh, Kathy, I'm going to be doing housewives. And there was a little silence on the phone. I was like, wait, what does she think? This is a really bad move. And uh, she said, you know what? I think this is good for you. And she said, now, let me tell you something. There's going to be a lot that's going to come at you. And I want you to keep this in the back of your head. I was like, okay, listening attentively. Yes, because can I tell you something? Kathy Hilton gives the best advice. I swear she has been the voice of reason in my life all along. And every time she's given me advice and I thought, hey, I'm not sure. Sure enough, she's right. So <laughs> know that she is gifted with discernment. But anyway, so she said, keep this in the back of your head. I'm nice but don't mess with me. And I did the whole time I would sit there and something would happen and I'd go, I'm nice, but you're messing with me.
0: <laughs> wow. So that, that, that sounds like something that you live by on the show. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, um, so now, now that you you've gotten your feet wet in the reality circuit, and now you're you're actually writing and producing things now too this new company. Can you tell us about that?
1: Absolutely. So I have three projects in development. Um one of them is the show that I wanted to do based on charities um and and things that happen within that world because again I find the conflict there is so organic and if the conflict is organic you're guaranteed that whole chasing chickens lightning in a jar that you want for good reality television and With event planners, the characters are larger than life. I mean, they are, they have to be because they deal with a lot of egos. They deal with a lot of pressure. They deal, they're very interesting characters. Um, I have another one that's in the culinary world. The the thing I hate about this is I'm not really supposed to be talking about these. Everybody's like, don't talk about them. Don't say anything. And I hate that. I hate when I see something on Instagram and someone goes, working on something big, but can't say what it is. I'm like, then why are you talking about (laughs) this? but um and then i have a third one too so i have three that are in development the first two have been in development for since pre-covid but because they dealt with situations and circumstances that covid sort of shut down <laughs> they got shelved for a while so they're back in play now and um yeah it's it's fun i love Producing reality television because, again, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you must be so jaded about it and whatnot. I'm like, no, I'm not jaded about it at all. And I always tell people when I'm casting, they're like, but how do I know you're not going to sell me down the river? And I go, I I say to them, you know, listen, I'm not doing the Bachelorette here. I think the way you would edit the Bachelorette is one way, vis a vis. And I think that was the problem with the production company. The network that did my show was golden and amazing. I think the production company should have attended the Alex Baskin School of Reality Television. The evolution entertainment, the way they do Beverly Hills is brilliant. The way they did Orange County, brilliant. But when you're editing a show like Housewives, you have to give the characters somewhere to go season two. You can't just sell them down the river. But think about if you're doing The Bachelorette, we don't need those girls back unless they're like going to be the final two or whatever. So you can edit them, sell them down the river. And I think that that was the problem with how. Toronto was edited was they gave me really nowhere to go in the or right. well, you got
0: some place to go now
1: now I have some place to go
0: but <laughs> <laughs> well, um wait before you before we um, move on you said you had three so you gave me two you gave me one about a charity a culinary and then the third was
1: yeah and the third is um I'm not really supposed to like I I can't talk about it you said you can't talk about it but you can't I know I hate I hate that I'm not kidding when I say I hate that it's uh it's 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 more like um it's like farm and country things
0: (laughs) (laughs) so it's about sustainability
1: yeah let's say that it's about sustainability
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome So um, now you have these, you're working on all these amazing projects. What's next for you? Like you have so many things in your plate. Like, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you would like
1: us to touch on? Well, so as I said, I am a writer, so (laughs) wouldn't it be great if I could marry my worlds of reality television and writing? That would be like fabulous. And maybe that'll happen. (laughs) Again, annoying. Again, keep talk about it. Again, let's get together again in January, February of 2023. <laughs> and then I'll be all over about it.
0: Are you writing any novels or any journals or any other um, self help books
1: or things like that? Gee, that would be a great idea if I did, because who better than someone that's been on both sides of the camera to write a book about reality television? Right? Nudge, most- nudge, wink, wink. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because most people don't have as much personality as yourself. Like you have personality through the roof and then you're a great writer and you're extremely descriptive. So it's kind of like, wow, you know, so that's when, they're, when they're, um, you know, your camp was like, you got to talk to her. I'm like, absolutely. You know, allure you. Went from that side of the world is like a fashion journalist. That's so descriptive. And you're always were out there. It's kind of like, duh. Of <laughs> that's so duh. nice of you.
1: But I would never write a tell-all but because I don't think that's interesting. And that's not right. my vibe either. I'm a very positive person. So if I wrote something, it would definitely be fiction.
0: So since you've been on both sides of the, of, the, of the coin, so to speak. Yes. What words of advice would you offer a journalist like yourself that came from such a distinctive publication with such, you know, amazing duties and responsibilities to... You know, what what words of advice would you offer them when it, when it, when it, when they want to? I guess when they want to transcend something else.
1: When they want to switch gears, um, yeah. remember remember what you learned. Be incredibly humble. Humility goes so far, and I, I have to tell you, like if there was one thing I learned from my experience, both at Allure and a, at Allure and on reality television. It was the power of humility. Like, and admittedly, like I had to learn it by trial and error. Like I said, I went into reality television thinking, I can do this. This is easy. I was a child actress. I had been in front of the camera. Some of my co stars really struggled with, like, they'd look at the camera and production would be like, don't look at the camera. (laughs) I got it. I could do it. And when you're doing reality television, it's also, in my opinion, it's very much like doing improv. You know, you have a director on set that says, okay, so you're shopping in this store. It's the two of you. And by the end of this scene, she's going to invite you to an event and you're going to, well, obviously say yes. I mean, it's up to you, but obviously, so, you know, they, yes, you say yes to the invitation and go. And so then, you know, you have to make up conversation, interesting conversation. That was another thing that was so interesting when I was on the show was, I swear, I was producing while I was doing it, and that was a big Achilles for me. It's like Kara, take the producer's hat off, and you're like a participant here right now. Because there was a couple times when I said, "Okay, enough." Every time I open my mouth, I either say the wrong thing, or I get attacked for it, or just misinterpreted. So I remember we were on a boat, and I said, um, "Today on this boat, I am saying nothing. I'm going to let everybody else do the talking." And I sat there, and I was watching the action going on. And in my head, I said, good grief. Okay, well, I've just changed the channel. So I can't imagine anybody else not changing the channel. (laughs) So I went, that's it. I'm back in again. So that was tough, producing at the same time, wanting to keep it interesting and all of that. So um, back to your question of what advice would I offer? Stay humble um, and, and read. Oh, my goodness. I can't tell you how. And I've stressed this with my kids so much. Read, 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 read. The more, when I go through periods where I don't read, and I think every individual does, especially if you're a parent, I mean, there's times when you're like, is that a joke? You think I can sit down and read a book? I'll fall asleep or something like that. But reading, and someone who homeschools their kids taught me this. Reading helps you not only with your grammar and spelling, and when you read really good writing, it helps you become a better writer yourself. But also there's a cadence in reading that helps with your dialogue. It helps with math, which who even knew, but somehow or other, that cadence in kids can translate to better math skills. And um also, I think it's really important to let your mind for anxiety specifically. I was actually sharing this with a girlfriend the other day. I said, are you reading? And she said, no, why would I be reading? And I said, because... When you're reading, you're focused on a different story, someone else's problems, you immerse yourself in a different world. And I think that's really good for people that suffer from anxiety. I suffer from a lot of anxiety. Um, I think it's really good to immerse yourself in something else and take yourself, for instance, out of your own world. So I would say anybody, you know, across the spectrum, not necessarily just journalists, I cannot talk enough about books, what a book fan I am the power of the written word and how it's so important. Read, 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 read. I always have a fiction and a nonfiction book on the go all the time. And no, I don't always have time to like read them. Sometimes on the plane, I get sucked in by a movie, but I really try to be disciplined and to have that a part of my life all the time.
0: Are those those books that are in your arsenal? Are they on your tablet or are they actual paper books?
1: I am a paper person because I like to do this. Wait, who was And I go back to the beginning. <laughs> and I, and then also if it's a nonfiction book, I highlight, I dog ear the page. I am, my books when I'm done with them are like, who has read this book? <laughs> what have they done to it? It's
0: like all the cliff notes are in there. Yeah. So, so what about, you mentioned like going through the whole pandemic. How was that, uh, how was that period of time for you? Like, how did you deal with that time? Did you do a lot of reading during the pandemic?
1: um Since a lot of the projects were put on hold, I did a ton of reading, which was really great. um I have to say, the silver lining for me was my so my youngest was still in high school at the time, so he was living here. He just graduated this year. He's going to start first year in about a week and a half. Um, but so he was still living here with us. He was in grade ten and eleven. Uh, but my other two boys came home and had to live with us. So all of a sudden. I went from, you know, cooking and caring and all of that for one child to I had all three kids back in. The nest was full and I absolutely loved it because when your kids are little and you're like in that mode and you're like, what do I make for dinner? And I have to take them to swimming class and I have to drive them here and you're all over the place. You might not hold it together so well. So it was almost like I had a redo. And I was like, ah, oh, now my children are grown up and they can see, wow, mom, you really are a good cook. Wow, mom, you really can put this together. And so appreciate, Mom, thank you so much for this laundry. Mom, I so appreciate being at home with you. And we had the best, we played board games. It was a really good time for us as a family. My three boys are amazing cooks. They watch all sorts of, they follow all sorts of cooks on Instagram. So they cooked and taught me, I cooked and taught them. It was a lot, there was a lot of cooking and a lot of food. I think for a lot of people, there was a lot of food, but it was a really nice time. We watched um, James May Man in Japan together, which was a, such a great series. I love the James May series, um, so good. We watched that together on TV and, you know, laughed through it. We It was just really good quality family time, really good quality family time. We got a gym here at home so we could keep working out. <laughs> I have a Peloton and I didn't want my Peloton with the gym in the basement. So I put my Peloton because nobody was coming over. We weren't entertaining. So I put my Peloton in the living room in front of the front window. And I was like the Mrs. Kravitz of the neighborhood on my Peloton. Oh, they're walking their dog now. Okay. (laughs) But I have to say it was, I mean, you know, obviously it came with its issues. I felt like awful for my son who had to learn online and the lack of social, the lack of socialization was the worst part. He went into the pandemic in grade 10 and came out of it in grade 12, having attended a private boys' school. So when it came time for prom, him and his peer, it was really, really challenging because there was no socialization for three years. And think of the space of how you grow from grade 10 to grade 12. Like, wow, it's such a world of difference. And there had been no dances. There had been nothing. But everybody survived. We were all good. We were all grateful for each other. And it seems like life is going back to normal now for us. So (laughs) we made it.
0: Wow, that sounds really. I mean, wow, you 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 encapsulated everything because, yeah, I mean, I can imagine skipping those um those wonder years, so to right? speak, right
1: at high <laughs> school with Why? girls. Like, think about yourself when you're awkward in grade nine to where you like own it in grade twelve. But that was all lost. It was like, yeah. Uh, and my poor guy from university, like he went to university at my dining room table.
0: Wow. <laughs> and so, did you? And then I'm sure you know after pandemic or post pandemic, what do you think about the whole monkey
1: pots? It's like, it's almost too much. I don't, you know, can I tell you this? I had a girlfriend that um, had a son under a severe disability and she left her job to go home and work with her son and help him. And they had professional care helping. And she said, the first thing the doctor said to her is, and I know a lot of people will not agree with this, but the doctor said, don't watch the news because the news weakens you and you need all your focus on your son. I have to tell you, I am not a fan of the news. I will keep abreast of the news. I will read the newspaper. My dear mother, God bless her, watches the news 24-7. So when I see her, I see her three times a week. When I see her, I get the Ruth Smart news. She gives me, you know, it's sort of like she's my buzzfeed. She gives me all the headlines that I need to know. But honestly, I, I, you know, I, and I'm not being an ostrich with my head in the sand, but I just feel like. Now Pandora's box is open and I worry like what's going to be the next thing. You know, I have heard talk that around Toronto, we're going to go back to masking mandates in the fall. I don't know that we're out of the woods with this, especially. And it's just, I just want it to go back to the way it was, but I don't think it ever will. Yeah.
0: And then what about some of the, what have you been following some of the American laws of Supreme courts and the Roe versus Wade and overturning of what, how, how did that, how does that make you feel what kind of reaction what was your first initial reaction to when you heard
1: that so I'm not sure if you're aware or not but um I am a Christian and so people say like oh you know how how do you feel about this and people are all asking and, and the first thing I say is you know I was raised in an environment probably very old school but we never discussed politics we never discussed religion you know we never discussed anything like that but this is my theory my theory is that we are all children of a loving God. And what is first and foremost in God's agenda for us is free will and free choice. God wants us to have free will and free choice, not to have other people imposing their wills upon us. And it's not a popular opinion in Christian circles, but it most definitely is my opinion. Wow,
0: that's very well said um and thanks for even sharing that with us because that's a brave statement for
1: I know uh, (laughs) I really again I was raised you don't talk about politics you don't talk about religion but I think that I'm not a fan of religion also that being said like I am you know I identify as a Christian I am not a fan of religion I got in trouble on the show because I said Jesus is my best friend but I legitimately mean that I think religion is garbage I think Faith is all about a personal relationship yeah. with our creator. That's what I think.
0: Yes, absolutely. Because religion is, like you said, it's a congregation. You know, it, it's oriented. Oh,
1: it's m- man's, <laughs> indi- not man's, but you know what I mean? It's individuals putting their, well, I think it should be that, this and I right. think it should be that. And it's like, wait a second. When did that come into play? Right.
0: Last time I heard, I have my own relationship with with my God. Or, exactly. You know, God. Right. So and yeah, that's I
1: what do- he wants. That's like what the core... Of, I mean, I don't want to get all religiousy with you here, all spiritual, but <laughs> I, in my opinion, that's the core of, you know, at the end of the day, God wants a personal relationship with us, personal relationship. Right. Well, thank you so
0: much, Kara. You so you so you have so much energy and you have so much light, and it's so great to hear your truth and hear you touch on these subjects that most people would kind of dance
1: around. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? You make it so. You okay? As a journalist, you make it really easy to be relaxed and open and share. Really, honestly, oh, you really you. do. You do well, a really I, good I, job. Well, thank you, and I appreciate that. Did
0: you want to touch on anything that we didn't? Yeah, talk I about? want to know
1: what's on the wall behind you.
0: Oh, those are uh, <laughs> those are those are part of my pandemic project. <laughs> That's one of our live workspaces. These are um, hand painted, crafted mini skateboards that we kind of okay. like.
1: Main so, as two. a mom of three boys, that's <laughs> what I thought. I mean, my basement, I've almost broken my ankle so many times because board, 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 boosted, right. boosted, boosted. boosted, boosted. <laughs> I've been on an airplane going, does that have a lithium battery? Do not take, do not pack that underneath if It has a lithium battery. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, really like, cool. I
0: made it, we made them into, into different creatures. So, some of
1: them have but like, that's like what a, I kind of thought. Little... I was like going, they look like insects. Oh, that's right. really cool. <laughs> I absolutely, now I know what to do. Now <laughs> I know what next, to do with all record. the old boards. <laughs> you got to repurpose your old boards. You I love it. It's <laughs> oh, really cool. <laughs> really cool.
0: But well, Thank you. But well, It was a pleasure having you. Um, I'm sure we'll keep in touch and we'll be speaking soon, hopefully about your next projects as they come about. Yes.
1: When I can, like, again, I really genuinely mean that. When I, I hate when I see that on Instagram. I go, why would you even post that then if you can't talk about it? But Again, I guess, you know, the powers that be want something to look forward
0: to. (laughs) Well, you have a wonderful weekend. Oh,
1: any big plans this weekend? Uh, Wait, you know, we're a fishing family, right? So we decided when our kids were little, we wanted to take up something that would be a family orientated sport. So we took up, well, we spent a lot of time in Florida, so we took up deep sea fishing. And when I say we fish, I mean... Like my husband throws the net to catch the bait and then we catch the bait and then we go out a thousand feet like closer to the Bahamas than Florida and we catch the monsters of the deep. I'm talking, I have pictures of me with Mahi that are like 40 pounds, um, tons of sharks. The problem with that is also my kids are all scuba certified and they want me to get scuba certified. I'm like, are you kidding? I fish? I know what's down there. Why would I ever do that? So all that is to say, I think there is some Ontario, Canada fishing on the agenda for this week. Because in the summers, if we're here, we fish up here. So I think that's going to be on the agenda for this weekend. The weather looks good. The wind is low. The walleye is biting. The salmon is biting. So (laughs) So you guys are fishing.
0: Fishing. Well, great. So um, keep in touch. Um, We're going to do the same. And I can't wait to hear more about your projects as they come into fruition and you have so much like i said before you love your energy you're, i can't wait to read more about what you got yeah going on next because you thank you have you a lot so of much. energy a lot of energy <laughs> thank
1: you <laughs> you're so sweet you have right. a good weekend too you too okay bye
0: bye